Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast and another live recording from EG's Pavilion at MIPIM 2023. In this episode, EG Deputy Editor Tim Burke is in conversation with George Armitrich, Managing Director for Global Real Estate at Oxford Economics. Recorded on the morning of the UK's budget announcement, the pair discuss the good, the bad and the ugly of the economic environment. Listen in as Armitage shares his expert knowledge, helping guide us through what has become one of the most turbulent times in the UK and global economy. Enjoy. I'm Tim Burke. I'm EG's Deputy Editor. And in this Economy Spotlight session, I'm joined by George Armitage, who is Managing Director for Global Real Estate at Oxford Economics. Um, we're going to talk over the next half an hour or so about the UK economy and its impact on the commercial real estate markets and how both of those um, fit into a shifting, broader global context. Um, I'd expected a lot of doom and gloom, but George uh, assures me that there's going to be some good news uh, over the 30 minutes as well. And we might have time to get into uh, expectations for this afternoon's budget too. Indeed, yeah. Although I might say the good news until the last two minutes to make sure I keep you here. Uh, <laughs> but there is, there is some positives. Um, you guys will, of course, have an opportunity to ask any questions um, over the course of this as well. Um, should we start with the UK outlook? It, in terms of your sort of house view, what are you seeing taking place at the moment? Given the turbulence that we've had over the course of the past year, where do we stand uh, sort of coming to the end of Q1 23? No, it, it's a good question, and I think you know we should probably rip off the band-aid of pain early and just accept that the UK is is not as not as strong a, a, at the moment as as we would like. Uh, we are, as an organisation, forecasting uh, a downturn uh, between Q1 and Q2 this year, probably in the region of negative 0.304 percent. Uh, we may end up skirting closer to zero, but uh, you know the current forecast is we will end up sort of going into a downturn uh, mid, mid, midway through the year. And I think you know a lot of that is going to be driven by uh, the, the pressure that high inflation is putting on. Um, you know, it, it, it's putting a lot of pressure on on spending. It's going to, and obviously the byproduct of high rates, it's it's starting to put more and more pressure on the housing market. And you're going to start to see the impacts of that. Um, but uh, you know there are there are some uh, there are some positives down the line, and that you know while this year might be a tough one, your um, twenty twenty four you know we should start to return to growth pretty quickly. You know maybe in the region of about one and a half percent. So you know this year I think will be a challenge for for a number of people for a number of reasons, um, possibly more so in the housing market. But uh, there are, there are some positives down the line. Is there a hope that we start to see that recovery in the second half of this year, or do you think we're going to be waiting for 24 until there are genuine signs of, of change? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I think we need to see where rates go and where inflation goes. I mean, I, if, you look at, if you look at when rates started to really go up in the UK, it was, it was only really in the summer. So just, just, just the base effects of those higher interest rates isn't going to kick in for, 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 for a little bit. Um, you know, in the US, they started a little bit earlier than, than the UK. In Europe, they are going to be started after us. So there's, there's different sort of, you know, base effect periods that are going to take place in different parts of the world. I think, you know, a bit of uh, the, the uncertainty that SVB and, and other banks and, and, and the credit market might create might, might slow down that spending and that inflation. And you could end up where, you know, maybe rates, there, there aren't a couple of rate rises this year. Uh, maybe there's probably expect one more this month, despite what happened last week. But that that would 
probably should be it. And we wouldn't expect, right now, we don't expect rates to come down until next year. But to your question, the, you know, if the slowdown is faster than we expect, you could see a situation where rates might come down towards the very back end of the year. But right now, our current forecast is that won't really start to happen until, until next year. For, for, for going back to the, the, the reasons earlier, you know, it's going to take a while for the interest rate rises that we have had so far starting to filter through. Um, you know, lower energy prices starting to filter through. So, so that's sort of where, where, where we're thinking uh, at the moment. Probably early next year, we'll start to, start to see those changes. You mentioned SBV. Um, it, that feels like a topic that everyone here is, is talking about, what the potential knock-on effects are. Um, a lot of real estate players are talking about the impact on prop tech companies. Yeah. It, it, it's, early, it's early days, I know. What, what are some of your thoughts on what knock-on effects yeah. that causes? Uh, it, it's a good question. I think uh, there's, there's two things. I, mean, I think looking at hard data, looking at the fundamentals is key. You know, not... not Paying too much attention to the noise, I think, is quite important. Mm. Um, you know, depending on how much you've all read about SVB and and and, and how the decision-making process went to get to the situation where SVB ended up where it was, you know, it shouldn't really change our forecast too much. Um, you know, I think the one change it probably has is we had a forecast of half a percent on interest rates in the U.S. coming towards uh, the end of the month on the 23rd of March. I think you're probably going to see a quarter percent raise uh, rise now. So I think that probably has had an impact there. But the US still has a challenge where it's got to get, to get on top of its inflation, as, as does the UK. I think it really comes down to a question of risk and risk pricing. You know, I don't think, you know, whether anyone realized there was a possible banking, you know, there were challenges in the banking sector, like what happened with SVB, I think now people are aware of it. And so, you know, more due diligence probably needs to go into in, in, into understanding, you know, what's going on in that sector, how it's going to affect lending, and in particular, lending to the to to you know, VC lending and prop tech. You know, maybe you have to accept high rates on that. You know, one of the things SVB was 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 offering is very low rates. Meanwhile, you know, had huge deposits which they which they had to deploy, and and, and you know that ended up with with perhaps not baking in high enough rates into that model, they, they ended up where they did. So, you know, I think I in summary, it, it is going to have an impact, but fundamentally our, our view is still pretty much the same um, on, on where the larger economy is heading. Okay. EG's got um, a very cities-focused agenda at MIPIM this year. You can see <laughs> many of them on the display behind you there. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you can break down for us some of your expectations for the London economy, and then perhaps compare it to some of the stories that you're seeing taking place yeah. elsewhere uh, in the regions. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the London economy is an interesting one. I mean, I think longer term, London has an awful lot going for it. You know, we're, we're still very positive about London. We're positive about you know, the return to, 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 to office. It may come in different, different guises, but we're still positive about that. Uh, and, and London being a global, global center, predominantly driven by business services, less so perhaps financial services. Um, I think London, you know, like the UK economy, and they're obviously very closely linked, is going to have a difficult 2023. I mean, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised to see you know, job losses in, in London this year. But I th we're going to, you know, our current forecast will, will, we will recover all of that in 2024, uh, perhaps even, and then some. So I think, you know, London's going to go through challenges this, 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 this year. 
on the house price issue, you know, both investment but also consumer spending. On the house price issue, you know, you didn't see any rises in house prices. You know, the UK, you've got a situation in the UK right now where house prices are in the region of about nine times earnings, right? Now, you could say, well, you know, that potentially creates some sort of issue like we had in 08, 09, but, but houses are in a much different position. There's much more equity in those properties, especially in London, um, and so there's much more sort of capacity to, to weather uh, a decline in, in, in house prices. And I think, you know, in the UK as a whole, you could end up somewhere in the region between 10 and 10 and 15% decline in house prices. London maybe somewhere, you know, between round about 10%. Uh, for, for a number of reasons, there's still pretty high demand. So, you know, I think London is going to go through some challenges this year. But even if it lost 10% of its house price value, you're still only back to somewhere in the region of midway through 2021. So this is not, you know, necessarily doom and gloom. You're probably losing the froth, frankly, uh, from the housing market. But you know, houses are are better capitalised. Uh, there's more there's more wealth in the in the, in the upper areas of, of, of housing, um, and that obviously will feed down into spending. So. It, it will be a challenging year that will feed into confidence, but uh, you know, 2024 we should start to start to come out come out of that. And what does this all mean then for UK commercial real estate? If we take a tour of um, if we yeah. take a tour of the market, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think uh, you know we we've started forecasting real estate and looking at real estate versus other asset classes. I think the UK has done one thing which we still have yet to see in the US and across Europe, and that's um, you know, we, we've, we've ripped off the Band-Aid a lot quicker when it comes to, to valuations. I mean, I think you've seen the MSCI index down between around about 20% since June last year. You know, I think the, the, the drop, in, uh, uh, drop in values in Q4 was the biggest drop since 2008, and that was off the back of a large drop in Q3. So the, U the UK has adjusted very, very quickly to, to the new world we're in. How much further to go, you know, I think everyone's probably got a view about how much further we're going to go. I won't probably get bogged down in that now. Yeah. But what it means is that, you know, compared to the US where, you know, values haven't quite depreciated as much uh, as you would suggest in Europe for the way they recall data and a number of other factors, we've not seen that come through. So that means that as a, as a, as a base area to start with for the UK, it will start to look it will start to look attractive just just mm. on just on that alone. You know, we we've taken that pain, and 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 there are a number of positive sort of angles to to pick up from that. And I think London, as a global city, to go back to your earlier question, versus other global cities, is still incredibly well placed. I mean, if you look at the you know the top top twenty global cities by twenty thirty, London is 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 up there, um, and it's driven by business services. It's still the global clearinghouse, it's still English, English language, you know, the number of factors that's going to keep the UK and, and, and London, you know, in, in, in a strong position. That um, ripping off of the Band-Aid, as yeah. you put it, there are people who are saying they think value has moved very quickly um, over, as you say, Q4 with some of the drops because of criticisms that in, in crises of the past, they didn't yeah. move quickly enough. Is there... Is there a chance that they've that they've overshot, that they overreacted this time? What's your thought on where valuations look like they might be settling? I mean, it for the declines that we've seen, you know, and the cost of debt now, you'd be hard pressed to suggest that it's not warranted. Mm. How much further we have to go is is another question. And you have to remember this is these declines in, in, in real estate are not, you know, equal across all sectors, right? You know, a lot of that decline was in industrial. 
not necessarily office, but industrial had a lot of a lot of capacity to weather those declines. But actually, if you look at industrial in the MSCI index and you look at how that performed versus inflation, it's one of the few sectors that has hedged against inflation incredibly well. Uh, in fact, one of the few sectors that, that has outperformed inflation. So while you have large declines in sectors like industrial, actually it's still one of the top performing sectors. It's still got a pretty strong occupancy rate. The fundamentals are still pretty strong. You've still got good e-commerce rates in the UK. They might have dropped from you know a low 30s to maybe high 20s, 20, 27, 28%. I think e-commerce e is as a retail sales. So you know, it, it's it's to your question, is it enough? Maybe will you start to see declines in other sectors, perhaps a little bit more? I think the big question is on offices. You know, um, what, what's going to happen around there? Um, probably, probably not going to give a, a guess right now. I think it's too early to, to understand that, as we still have to wait for a number of number of factors on the macroeconomic world sort of, you know, go through. What on which note? Which factors will lead you to think? Okay, now we can make a call on what happens for that particular asset class because, as you say, it is the one that everyone's watching and waiting for a turning yeah. point in. I mean, I think you know, if you look at the different asset classes, there are a number of that. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll you know, skip forward to one of the good pieces of news I was going to give at the end. There are a number of asset classes in the UK that 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 are going to look particularly attractive. You've got uh, you know, healthcare. You've got life sciences. You've got uh, the hotel sector, especially in the mid to high end range, is is looking is going to be looking attractive uh, over the next over the next few years. You know, retail had already taken a lot of the pain, you know, because of early stages of COVID. So that's that that you know you might still start to see some some rebound in that. I think the challenge with office is is looking at demand. You know, what is employment going to do over the next sort of two, three, four, five years? How much development are we going to get in offices? So you may end up in a situation where development, you know, slows down considerably and we end up in two, three years time with actually, you know, employment's rising and, and do we have enough of the right sort of stock to service the UK? And that could end up precipitating sort of a, a rebound in offices in a couple of years time. But add to that the, the ESG side and how the offices sort of cope with that. I think, you know, it's one to watch closely as, as we try and grapple with that. Um, so, yeah, I think sector by sector, you've still got the story to, to, to play out uh, in different ways. Okay. Should we open to the floor? Because I know we're about halfway through our, our 30 minutes. Um, does anyone in the room have any questions that they'd like to put to George? The Inflation Reduction Act in the United States. Yes. What are the implications for the United Kingdom? Um, are we creating conditions? And are they going to... What are the implications of that? On the United Kingdom and the cities. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, I mean, I think for, for for the UK, you know, trying to worry what everyone else is is up to is is obviously important. But I think you know, fundamentally, we need to get hold of our own domestic issues first. Um, you know, we haven't yet seen the declines in house prices that we we've yet to see. So we haven't yet seen a slowdown in in spending that that we'd like to see. And you know. Whatever the rate that we're targeting, whether it be you know two percent or four percent, you know we're probably going to have to expect a a higher interest and higher inflation environment than we did three four years ago. Whatever that final number is, you know we'll, we'll have to see. Um, then there are a number of schemes that the the U.S. government, uh, the U.K. government can implement to to, to look at that. Um, yeah, it goes back a little bit to, to to the budget today. You know we we've we've put a cap on energy expenditure. Uh, at some point, we're going to have to we're going to have to wind that down. I don't think we're going to do it in the budget today, but it probably come in in, in the next budget. 
um, you're going, you know, yeah, it, it's interesting as well. I, think, I just think there's too much to play out domestically to start thinking about, uh, about what the US and, and, and what Europe are going to do. Uh, and we're still very early on in, in, in that cycle. It typically takes anywhere between six and nine months for an initial interest rate rise to start taking effect. And we're only really six to seven months into those initial rate rises. So to make calls on that, I think it's, it's, probably, too, it's probably a little premature right now. Uh, so off the back of that question, I guess my mine is, um, what regulation do you see that's impending now that might have the biggest impact on CRE in the next 12 to 24 months? One of the things in the budget that probably won't get mentioned today is 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 the is the tax rate. You know, I, I, corporates probably feel they're getting squeezed from all, all, all angles right now. Um, so, you know, you've got a 25% tax rate that, that's about to come in. You know, will 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 they keep that going into the election year next year? I'd be interested to see. There are already calls to scrap it before we've even got you know to releasing it full time. So, I think that's something that'll be that'll be worth monitoring. So that that's a squeeze from one side. Uh, energy obviously is a, is a squeeze from another. And then then obviously ESG. You know, what regulation and policy is going to come into into real estate when it comes to ESG? And you know, what's interesting is everyone thinks about it as a as a national policy. But I think the important thing about ESG is it's very unlikely to, to, to play out as a national story. And I don't think, you know, I think more work needs to be done on understanding the industrial, the sectorial shift in, in when it comes to, you know, sustainability or in, in the environment. And, and I, don't, I don't think we, anyone fully understands how that is going to play out. You know, you've got industries in the UK and across Europe that want to shift to a more sustainable sort of uh, production and supply chain. They want to produce vehicles that are, you know, uh, more electric than they are. And so, you know, that's going to benefit certain cities disproportionately more than it's going to affect other cities. Going back to another uh, 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 spoiler alert on the good news, the UK is, you know, pretty well positioned from an ESG point of view in that a lot of the UK's growth comes from business services, financial services, IT, tech. Yeah, all very carbon, low carbon consuming sectors, right? Compare that to across Europe, where a lot of the growth, especially in Eastern Europe, comes from you know manufacturing and and high carbon consuming sectors. So I think investors are going to have the challenge, and governments are going to have the challenge between weighing up policy between growth and sustainability. And I think that is a big challenge, both at a at a national level, but also at a local level. And I think you know I'm sure you're hearing that story. Uh, um, from all the, all the all the development agencies and all the different you know associations a across UK, so in terms of what regulation has come in, I mean I think that there's a fine balance to tread, especially this year as everyone's going to there's going to be a lot of squeezes from all sides. I think with higher inflation, the longer that big risk of inflation remains longer, uh, lasting higher for longer, you know that's going to put a big squeeze on, on real estate in terms of the occupational side. Companies are going to have to find better ways to, to manage their businesses to maintain growth in that high inflation environment. So you, you've got squeezes all over the place, plus you've got sort of an austerity government for the time being uh, anyway. So adding more regulation and more, more taxation could be a challenge to, to implement now. But there are a number of factors that you know, we're going to have to get on top of, certainly if not in 2023 as we deal with the issues now, but going into 2024. We've um, we've touched on the budget a couple of times now. What's yeah. the best that real estate can hope for when the chancellor steps up to the desk match box this afternoon? Well, I think you know some of the moves that the chancellor is making. 
I mean, positive. You know, we, we have an issue where, so before COVID, you know, employment, labor force participation rate in the UK was something in the region of about 64.4%, okay? The highest it's ever been is 64.5%. So we're almost at, you know, argue you could say higher capacity. And that's, that is a good story in terms of more females in the workplace, it, um, you know, but you could also argue people working, work, working longer. You know, we've lost, we lost about 1.3% of that workforce over the last two years. So it works out roughly about 900,000 people left the workforce. Now, some of those people will not come back, and some people have been priced out because of childcare costs. We have some of the most expensive childcare costs in Europe. So the, the, you know, the, the, the budget today is sort, of a, is sort of acknowledging that at both ends of the spectrum. It's, it's it putting incentives in place for people, you know, maybe elderly or those in the, in, the, in the top age cohorts working to come back to work. And it's also trying to put in positions to, to help you know, young families, particularly mothers, get back into the labor force due to the cost of childhood. And that's important because if, you, if, if people stay out of the workforce too long, the challenges to come back in become exponential. And, and so if you can keep people in the workforce, then stay in the workforce, that can only have benefits. So you know, that has to be two policies that can be beneficial for, 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 for real estate. Um, you know, so, but it also has inflation implications as well. But, but, but that has to be two policies that can only be good news. You know, getting people to work, getting that, that, the, that participation rate, you know, it's only going to create, it's only going to, somewhere like London's only going to respond, respond better despite the cost of living you know, challenges that you have. Uh, what are your expectations for rates at the moment? And specifically, how you then yeah. expect to see the funding markets uh, in terms of commercial real estate investment reacting to that and, and, and changing the way that willing buyers um, will be able to tap into funds for their deals? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, just our current forecast is, you know, we will see a rate hike um, still at the end of this month. You know, uh, I don't think SVBs stop that. I mean, I would say you're probably maybe going from the majority of the of the uh, the policy committee leaning to rate hikes, so maybe you might end up more sort of 50-50, well, more more slightly more uh, down 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 the middle. But I think the forecast is still we're going to see a rate hike at the end of this month. You know, we have to get on top of inflation, and we have to risk that recession element to to get on top of inflation. In long-term inflation erodes a lot of success and a lot of growth. So that is the key key challenge for the government, for the, for, for the Bank of England. So we, we expect to see a quarter rate rise. Now, I think, again, to the point earlier about, you know, how's that going to play out, the biggest challenge, and it's probably exactly the same story we're talking about in December, is how long are we going to, how long do we have to wait before we start to see some of that playing out? And will we have to do another rate rise? Right now, we are not forecasting another rate rise after this month. We think, you know, we think inflation will start to cool. Uh, there are a number of facts in the budget that, 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 that will suggest that. Spending will decline. It will decline globally. It will decline in the UK. You're going to have a challenge with house prices this year. So yeah, the forecast is there, and then we'll start to see some declines uh, starting early next year. You know, the long-term rate, I'm just trying to remember what we've got, is, is you know, a 10-year long-term rate is about 2.5%. So it gives you some idea about, in terms of financing, you know, where, where companies need to be thinking about when, when they're financing you know, real estate, whether it's on a five, seven, ten-year hold, you know, that, that's some of the challenges. And that's a, that's a new world that we're going to be living in. But we also might be living in a slightly higher growth environment once we, once we come out of all this. So you know, where you look at somewhere like the US, and you know, at one point the, the terminal rate was around about 5575 five, five, five. Uh, you know, maybe even 6% for some people were, were, were calling. I don't think we're going to get there now. I think the markets were pricing at one point, markets were pricing in 4% when the actual rate was higher. So, 
you know, I think we need to watch we need to watch the U.S. carefully because uh, obviously how many how many central banks are, are, are linked to that. Uh, but for the UK, you know, I, I think we just need to get through the pain of 2023 and then and then come out all. Uh, I'll see you at MIPIM next year with a, everyone with a big smile on the face. I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> um, we were talking before we, we got onto the stage about, um, about deal-making. Yep. Um, uh, what, <coughs> what would you expect to see happening now in terms of international capital flows in particular coming into the UK? We, we've sort yeah. of touched on how values will make UK assets look particularly attractive relative maybe to some other European markets. What might you think you'd now start to see happen in terms of international investors targeting, let's say London offices, but, but other, other parts of the UK yeah. uh, market too? Yeah, I think the UK and other regions will, will benefit from overseas capital. I think, I think the UK as a, as a, as a, as a destination for, for international real estate capital is, is still going to remain incredibly attractive. It's, it, you know, it's the, it's the largest market in terms of volumes in, in, uh, in Europe. It declined less than a number of other markets in Europe did, and I think you know that the the, the transaction we saw earlier this week by the Japanese investor is a good sort of is a good boost in the arm to to to, to that. And I think you know the, you look at the geopolitical environment over the next two to five years, you've got you've got a challenge in Russia where you've got of the th potential three parties running for that election, uh, two of them don't want to support Ukraine, right? So there is a a a, a big challenge there. And that is going to create sort of issues, but between, especially between China and Asia and the United States and how that's going to play out. Plus, then you add China, Taiwan, and what that geopolitical sort of risk looks like and how it's going to play out. So London as a, as a center, as, a, as an innocent center for deploying your capital, looks, you know, as a global, as a, as a, in the global picture, actually pretty attractive. Add to that the fact that we've taken a lot of the pain up front. And you, you know, maybe debt is more expensive, but in the short term, you can probably weather that. Um, you know, London, London does look very, very attractive, and I think different sectors also look very attractive. I think, you know, the hotel market looks look, look, looks particularly attractive, especially that middle middle to high end. Um, I was looking at our, we have a business called Tourism Economics where we forecast travel numbers, and uh, you know, I was looking at what the what the Chinese numbers were for the UK in 2019, just to just to try and get an understanding of what that means and. China was actually as a percentage share was only about two percent of UK uh, uh, as an origin of UK travellers, but it was made up seven percent of spending. Which so to put that in in absolute numbers, so you're looking at about nine hundred thousand visitors a year spending one point nine billion. So we have yet to see that come back online. Now you know I doubt it's all going to come back online in 2023, but because there's a number of travel capacity issues relating to that, you know, airport lines, staffing, you know, Chinese economy not being in the same arguably a strong position as some of the Western economies when they came out of COVID, but you're going to start to see that and potentially more over the next you know 36 months. So that that's a ma that's going to be a major major positive for the UK and probably Paris and and some other sort of hotel markets. Um, I think you know UK is is well placed on that on that long term office story. I think we need to see how the next couple of years go and that pricing. But UK industrial you know logistics still very strong. You know UK e commerce rates are are generally higher than the, the rest of Europe. Uh, you know we've positioned ourselves incredibly well, and we have some geographical benefits to that. We're a smaller, more dense island, so it's easier to to, to build that infrastructure. Um, plus an infrastructure for something like. Uh, you know, electric vehicles. We're, we're we're probably arguably better placed than some other some of our global peers to be able to, to to install that. So, 
the UK has a lot going for it. Um, and I think, you know, both from geopolitical reasons, sectoral reasons, you know, there, there, there's some positive stories. So. Excellent. We are almost out of time, but I have to ask, um, was there any other good news that you were saving for the end, or did we accidentally rip through it all while we were uh, touching those other points? Uh, obviously, we, we, we have the best, uh, you know, we have some <laughs> of the best people in our industry, for without goes without saying. So, uh, no, uh, um, I, I, you know, I think there's some challenges ahead for the UK, especially in the short term, but I think the long-term story has is, uh, is got, got to be a positive one. That sounds like a pretty good optimistic note to, uh, to draw it to a close on. For now, um, please thank George for sharing his time and insights with us. Thank you.